Good morning, Mission Church. Let's get that right. <laughs> and good morning, Myerstown campus. It's been too long. I need to get back up there. I almost probably forget how to get up there. So, uh, but good morning to the Myerstown campus. And it's great to be with you all. Man, summer is underway. It's fun, man. The days are long. I love it, man. It's not till like 9 o'clock the sun starts going down. This is great. It's a great time of year, and it's great to be together uh, this morning. And uh, as Pastor Jerry has mentioned, we're working through this series called Clarity, and we're, we're, fire, we're beginning to fire through these six pursuits that we long and desire that God uh, would mark our church by. And as we just unravel, and, and as we uh, unfold some of these pursuits. It's great to know uh, the mission statement behind them. The mission statement which says, making disciples who are loved and sent by the glory of God. You guys can memorize that one. That one is not too bad. Making disciples who are loved and sent to the glory of God. And we have six of these pursuits. And the first three focus they focus on the love that the Father has for us. And we see that through passionate worship. We're going to see that next week through biblical preaching. And this morning, as you've heard, we're going to look at the subject of fervent prayer. And these are all ways that we develop and build our relationship with the Father. And then as an overflow, as an overflow of the love that God has for us, we then have a desire to serve and to be sent, to serve and to be sent by the loving Father that has infused that love into us. And then we'll look at three more pursuits, purposeful disciple-making, courageous evangelism, and strategic church planting. And this morning, again, we look at the subject of fervent prayer. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to Ephesians chapter 6, which is where we're going to be camping out this morning. We're looking specifically at verse 18, but it's really good to take a look at the context. What has Paul been talking about? He's getting ready to close this amazing letter to the church of Ephesus. And in chapter 6, he begins to wind this thing down by this incredible illustration, illustration called the armor of God. He says, man, you guys are in a battle. And he begins to use different pieces of the hand-to-hand -hand combat that was used by armed forces in the first century to create an amazing illustration of what it's going to take for us to stay strong in the battle. If we back up and look at like verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Ultimately, so what? So that we can stand firm, that we can be assured, that we can be strong, that we can be ready, that we could be alert. And then you may be familiar with some of these other parts of the armor. We're talking about like the belt of truth and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. And then in verse 17, the only offensive weapon, the sword of the spirit. And then as he launches into 18, he really starts talking about the, like the gorilla glue, like what's going to hold this all together? What is going to hold all these pieces together that is going to make us strong for the Lord and give us ultimate victory? And that's where we find our verse today. Let's just read it. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with perseverance making supplication for all the saints. Would you just join me again in a word of prayer before we get into God's word? Father, please help us today. A prayer today, Father, is that we look to you. As we look to you, the object of our prayer today, that we would fall in love with you in a new way, that our eyes would be open to your great power, and that you would draw us to yourself and that we would grow in our relationship with you and grow in the ways that we can communicate with you so that we could ultimately stand strong, so that we could move the mission forward for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our family had an opportunity to spend uh, about five years in the great state of Texas. And there are many fascinations that I grew to enjoy in my time in Texas. 
You have folks that walk around with belt buckles the size of Frisbees. You have 10-gallon hats, man. They, they, you can barely get in a doorway with those bad boys. Every other vehicle on the road is a pickup truck. You have the Dallas. You have this football team called the Dallas something or another's. Right, Tim White? <laughs> Tim White's relative actually played. One of Tim White's, Tim White's relative played for the Dallas something or another's. But what I, what I really grew a fascination with was the way they did barbecue, the way they did a piece of meat called a brisket. And I want to tell you a little bit about that this morning. I grew in a fascination. I tried, I tried, I tried so many ways to cook this brisket, and I ruined it more times than not. It's not an easy piece of meat to cook. But about two years ago, my kids got me uh, a smoker. And just so that there is no confusion over what we're talking about this morning when it says, I got, my kids got me a smoker, there is a picture, okay? The little box to the right is where you start the fire. The longer end is where you, you can put anything from, from meat to fish to turkey, and it usually is going to come out tasting real good, okay? And so what you basically do is you get your fire started on that right-hand side. You get a good little charcoal fire going. And then you throw some wood on top of that. You can get you some hickory. You can get you some mesquite. You can get you some cherry. You can get you some free. Free's the best. <laughs> after you seasoned up, after you seasoned up your brisket, you slap it on there, and then the process begins. My friends, this is a 12 to 14-hour process. Throw your microwave away. It ain't going to help. You need to watch its internal temperature. All right, you get a stick of thermometer in that thing, and it gets up to about 165, 170. You go out there, and you wrap that thing very carefully in butcher paper aluminum foil, and then it stalls, and you think, man, my thermometer broke. Are we ever going to eat? I'm getting hungry, but it stalls at around 170. I could nerd out on the science behind it, but I won't. And it eventually gets back up to about the magic temperature of 200 degrees. After that, you think you're ready to eat. No, no, no. you got to let that baby rest. It needs some rest. It's been working hard all day. All right. So let's make the connection. <laughs> I know the 11 o'clock crowd is going to want me to take them out to lunch. Let's tie this together. Fervent prayer. The charcoal is prayer. The wood makes it fervent. Trust me, you could get that piece of meat cooked without the wood, but it wouldn't taste nearly as good. And fervency as to what prayer is, as to what wood is, to what that charcoal is going to be. That wood, that meat is not going to taste nearly as good without that smoke flavor dripping through there. The brisket is us, the slab of meat. Sorry, I don't mean to be crude, but the brisket is us in this illustration. And as we spend time in the presence of the Father, He changes us. And at times... In prayer, we need to persevere. Remember, you get to the stall at 170, we think nothing is happening. We think nothing is happening, but, he's, but, but something is happening. When we are in the presence of the Father, something is always happening. He is drawing and building our faith in those moments. The heat and slow cook of the brisket, what it's actually doing is breaking down all the connective tissues that are inside there. It's breaking down the connective tissues so that when you get up to that point of 200 degrees, you have something that is tender and juicy. You take it off too early, it's going to be tough. And that's kind of like it is when we spend time in the presence of the Father. The more we spend time in the presence of the Father, it forces us to deal with the inner core of who we are. It forces us to deal with the inner core of our sin nature. We are, we are, we are, we are in the presence of a holy God, and as we do that, he changes us. As we are on our knees, depending on him for everything, he is changing us with a spirit of humility. He is breaking our pride down. A brisket needs to rest. It basically needs to rest so that all its juices begin to congeal and they don't run out as soon as you slice that up. So that brisket needs to rest. And so do we. If we pray and get right up, sometimes we miss something. And we need to just sit there and wait, and we need to meditate on God and His Word and what we've been praying about, and just be still and know that He is God. 
The brisket is also edible, and there is some right there. But the illustration breaks down a little bit, but as we spend time pouring out our hearts and really living uh, and lifting up the needs of others in that work, the Lord gives us opportunity to feed others and to be used in their lives. He allows us to be useful. And therein is the tie-in. Now comes the barbecue sauce. I'm just kidding. That's the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> but I was tempted. Fervent prayer. Let's talk about this. Fervent prayer, rhetorical question that we all need to ask ourselves this morning. Why do we potentially have such difficulty with this pursuit? As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, it can be really challenging, if we're honest with ourselves, to stay engaged. And if we were to evaluate ourselves to say, yes, my prayer life is marked by fervency. Why is that? One reason that I believe is that if we were to categorize our prayer life, we would say it is a discipline. And we're not totally wrong in that, in, in saying that. But it can get us way off track. It can get us to the point where we're saying, you know what? I have to prove to God that I love him by spending time with him. And you know what that is? That's really a definition of legalism that I'm having to prove to God that I love him by spending time with him. It's like a box that I need to have checked off, and when I don't get that box checked off, I get a spiritual whooping with an H from my heavenly Father. Rather, rather, I think, maybe this morning, maybe this is for some of us, that we need to look at prayer as a relationship building opportunity where we communicate with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is a relationship building opportunity. It's something we get to do with our Heavenly Father. And it's important to consider for a moment today <coughs> the attributes of our Heavenly Father. We're talking about a Heavenly Father that is infinite in every way, shape, or form. He is infinite when it comes to time. He is he has been there from eternity past to eternity future. He has marked every one of our days. He is absolutely sovereign over each and every one of the events of our lives. And each and every one of his attributes is infinite. First John teaches us that God is light and in him is no darkness. God is omnipresent. That means he is everywhere. God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. God is omnipotent. That means he is all-powerful and he really desires to work in us and to move the mountains that are in our lives. God is also infinitely full of care. Guys, just hear that this morning. He is full of care for us. He is full of love for us. He is infinitely faithful. He is infinitely merciful. He is infinite in his grace towards you and towards me, and he is infinite in his love. My friends, we are always on his mind. His, his thoughts to you and me are so numerous, they're more numerous than the sands are on the seashore, and sometimes we need to just let that soak in for a minute and not run past that and not say, ah, I'm not really worthy. I'm not really worthy of God's love. No, no, he accepts us just as we are. And he longs for us to be in his presence. And so this heavenly father, this heavenly father needs to be the focus of our prayer life, not necessarily the discipline of prayer. And so when we miss some time in prayer that we thought we were going to take, we've eventually, we, we've missed an opportunity right? I think we look, need to look at it as saying, hey, we missed an opportunity because I, I, I long that prayer is a want-to in our lives and not a have-to. There is a huge difference in that, guys. We need to take the gun off of our heads. So with that, focus on our Heavenly Father. Let's take a look at Ephesians 6.18, and we're going to, in our time today, identify five marks of fervent prayer. The first three will highlight our dependency on God, 
And the second two will highlight the, our expectancy of God. So our first phrase, as we take apart this verse in, first, in verse 18, the first phrase is praying at all times. And for your first blank, there's a little run up here. This is like a slight cheating on the whole alliteration thing. But prayer needs to meet, and your blank is the primary needs of the heart. Prayer needs to meet, guys, the primary needs of our heart. Why is that? Why is prayer to be primary and foundational in our lives? Let's talk about this for a minute. Paul Miller, in his book, The Praying Life, says that the American culture is the hardest place to pray. So why is that? You probably know. You're probably thinking of ways, right? We're all busy, right? We all have so much, so many stinking things going on. We're all busy. We don't slow down very well. If we're honest, we're about accomplishments. We're surrounded by noise everywhere, right? We love to be entertained. A lot of us are like, man, I just need to get to work. I just need to get to work. I need to get something done. And so we rely on our intelligence. We rely on our own talents. We live in a relatively wealthy country. And so money can get stuff done. And all this has left us flat out exhausted. Emotionally, where has this gotten us? Well, in some case, present company included, it's gotten us. Uh, uh, some of our lives can be worked and marked with fear, worry, Anxiety, just feeling flat out overwhelmed and lacking a sense of peace. So with this idea of praying at all times, it begins to foster a dependency and a lifestyle of really casting all our anxieties on the Lord and beginning to say, hey, God, I am letting my request be made known to you. Well, God, you already know everything. Why do I need to do that? Because it's very healing when we say those back to God. Beginning to establish this idea of praying at all times does not necessarily relieve, relieve us of a busy life, but it does begin to alleviate and give us a less hectic heart. There's lots of things that can be swirling around us but when, we begin, but when we begin to go to God first in prayer for the needs of our lives, it gives us a sense of peace regardless of all that is swirling around us. And so doing a less hectic heart provides us with a greater capacity to love because our lives become calm and ordered. So where do we begin? Where do we begin in this endeavor? Or maybe, how do we get going? How do we get going again? I've started and stopped so many times I can't keep track. Matthew 11 is a great place to look. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, come to me, all you that have your ducks in a nice, neat row, and I will make you look better than all your friends, William. You'll be all that in a bag of stinking chips. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't losing you, that the coffee wasn't wearing off. No, of course not. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 says this. Come to me, all who are heavy, <coughs> all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lonely in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus starts off by saying, come to me. Isn't it great when some people just come up to you and say, hey, hey man, I just want to go out and have breakfast with you. Let's find out what's happening. Let's just spend some time together. Isn't that great when that happens in life? But Jesus is saying, Come to me, man. These are very comforting words. Is God not saying, come on, man. We can do this together. We <coughs> can figure this thing called life out together. I have your back. I know you. I created you. I loved you. I know everything about your personality. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. 
and I am with you. But would you please come to me? Would you lay these burdens down before you, before me? Then it says, those who labor and are heavy laden. Some of us are just flat out independent. I am 200% German, and I am just a flat out independent person. It doesn't help in this area of my life. I feel like I could, I just want to do it myself. But that, man, that, that just totally messes up our relationship with God. What we're doing and what we're saying, we're declaring our independence. When we're saying, I don't need to pray, in essence, we're saying, we're declaring our independence from God. We're saying, I got this. But those of us, man, we're labor and heavy laden. Man, this morning, if your life's messed up, if you can't focus for two seconds, if you can't pray, if your mind's full of like sinful thoughts, God is saying, I want you, man, come to me. Come to me. I want to hear this. Come to me in your mess. If you're like, I've tried this so many times. You know what he's saying to you? Come to me. Try again. If your life is just too broken, guess what he says? Come to me, man. Come to me. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. There is no, no burden that is too heavy for me. There is no mountain that is too big for me. And then he says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. Cast these on me. Again, once again, I desperately care for you. Then that verse goes on to say, man, take my yoke. He says, take my yoke and learn from me. What I take from that is like, folks, I want you to open up my word and learn about me. I want you to open up my word and learn about the love that I have for you, that I gave up my son for you. I want you to open up my word and learn about my faithfulness. I want you to open up my word and learn about the fact that I am forgiving and that I love you and I want to draw close to you and I want to bring rest to your soul. And in that, there is no masks. We can't come to God and think we can fake him out. We can't break his ankles. He knows everything. But we got to just be real and say, here's how it is. I'm coming before you flat out. I got my mistakes. I got this. I got that going on. God wants us just like that, in that state, humble. He goes on to say, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so, guys, when we come to, in prayer, are you just saying, well, just all our, promise, all our problems are just going to go away? No. No, they're not. But there's a great place to start. It's the first domino we should begin to push on. And, 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 and in his word in 2 Corinthians 12 says, my grace, capital I-S, <clears throat> my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect, perfect in weakness. And we just got to like, we just got to clutch to that today. We got to clutch to that today. If you'll come to me and be real and lay it down. So this is a picture of our family. There they are. We had a wedding two weeks ago. It was glorious. The Lord was so good to us. So out in the end, man, this is Brittany. She's our oldest to the working from that side. That's David. He's an outlaw. He married Bethany, the lady, young lady next to him on his left. Then the lovely missus. Then our new bride, Sierra. That's our daughter. She just got married. And the new groom, Humphrey, the new son-in-law. I just whispered something in his ear about Sierra he didn't know about. That's why I waited until after they were married. That's why he's frowning. I just made that up. <laughs> I'm old, man. I'm old. I got my tricks. The old man. Then the youngest doing her little thing. You know what I'm saying? And then there's Eddie on the far left. He's our only son. And uh, that's our side A. We look like we got everything going on, don't we, man? We're all right. It's a pretty good picture. If I do say so myself, the, wedding, wedding, the weather was nice, nice background and everything, and we look like life is just all good, don't we? Trust me, folks, our family has our share of side B. <laughs> we have plenty. We have plenty of things that we have had to work through. We have plenty of problems. We have plenty of issues. We've had plenty of things that God has taken us through. And, I, you know, 
a lot of times it's been, man, it's just our independence sometimes. It's just like, I got this. I got this. I'll figure it out. And God just says, hey, man, all right, I'll get a bigger two-by-four out if you don't want to listen, you know? <laughs> At one point, there was a lovely couple who had to, like, come alongside us and have lunch with us and get right up in our grill and say, man, you need to get serious about this. But God is just saying, come to us, man. He loves us so much. He loves us so much. He accepts us just the way that we are. So learn from us. Take your needs to the Lord. Be praying at all times. We can start now. This is why we pray. This is why we pray at all times. It begins the process of going to God first for the needs of our hearts. Secondly, let's look at our second phrase, it's, it's in the spirit. We're praying at all times, now in the spirit. Blank there, the second point is the posture of our lives. The posture of our lives. You ask 100 Christians how to pray in the spirit, you'll get 200 answers. As succinctly as I can put it, it means to be in submission to and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So how do we practically do that? I will give you something from my life today. You don't have to use it. I'm just giving you, I try to give you maybe just some practical things that have worked over the time and over the years for me. One thing that I do as I try to align myself up with who God is and what he wants from me for the day is to pray through the Lord's Prayer. And I don't necessarily mean like I'm going to recite it, because when Jesus was off praying, he'd come back to his disciples and say, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? I'm out praying. And, he sa- and they said, what? Well, teach us to pray. And he said, he said well, pray like this. And so basically, I, th- I believe Jesus has given us an outline here. He's given us an outline to use to align our thoughts and our minds with his. I wake up every day. It's been said that our hearts are like idle factories. I wake up every day going, what can I get myself into? What can I do for myself today? What can I, how, can I, how can I go around and do something probably that's not outside of God's will? I have no problem thinking of things like that. And so every day I've got to line up my heart. I've got to line up who I am. And so it, it, it kind of sounds something like this. And you have the outline there, I believe, right? Yes, coming. The outline that is in there. And, and you guys know the Lord's Prayer, but like, kind of like this is how you, I, I would just get down on my knees more, more mornings than not and just try to audibly say this. Well, why do you audibly do that? Because my mind is full of distractions. And when I'm, I'm spending time literally on my knees and audibly saying something, it helps me to stay focused. I need focus. I need focus. And the Lord's Prayer, you guys know it, but let me just walk it through with you real quick and, and just give you a, like the, the mindset of this. It starts off with like our Father, It's not in there, but our Father. That's a really important point because throughout the Old Testament, the Lord God was to be feared. The Lord God was to be feared. And here, Jesus introduces a new term. He says, our Father. Right? This is now an intimate term that says, I want a relationship with you. You are now Abba. You are Daddy. I want to be near you. I want to hold you. I want to carry your burdens. That's super important. Again, guys, let's just get that into our heads today. Second off is like, holy is your name. Holy is your name. While he might be Abba, Father, and Dad, he is still to be worshipped. He is still holy. His name is still to be praised. He is to be respected. He is to be honored. He is to be adored. He is to be feared in a healthy way. Hold on a second. He is to be feared in a very healthy way. Then we pray, thy kingdom come, right? Thy kingdom come. And what that about is it's saying, um, God, I want what is on your heart to be on my heart. People's lives, people's problems, people's concerns, people's souls. Father, would you help me to meet those needs today? I'm asking you, Father, would you bring people along my path that need your help today? Would you please help me to do that? Right? We play your kingdom come, and we play your will be done. Father, I got all things that I would like to do today, God, but today I'm just taking some time to submit myself to your will. 
I'm submitting myself to your will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And it says on earth that is in heaven, that's not up there. But Lord, help me to do this in a way that is complete, that is joyful, that is pleasing to you. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. But I'm gluten free. <laughs> it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, right? Bread is a symbol. Bread is a symbol of our basic daily needs. It's like, God, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you dependent. I'm coming to you dependent. I'm coming to you, God, because I need these things in my life. I need strength for what I need to do today. I need help. Please provide for my daily needs. Please provide for the food. The food that I have comes from you. The roof over my head, the clothes on my back, they all come from you. And God, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. God, I got to get my heart right with you. I need to confess these things. Folks, I need to do this audibly. I don't need to shout these, but I need to do these audibly so that I can actually hear them and know what I am saying. It helps reinforce them into my mind and into my heart. And then, <clears throat> not only forgive us of our sins and our trespasses, but help us to forgive those who trespass or may sin against us. Help us to be in the process of forgiveness. Forgiveness is both an event and a process. And so God, help us to be able to walk that out. Help us to be able to walk that out. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is saying, God, help me, man. I am, remember, we go back to the armor of God. I'm in a place, Lord, we're in a battle. We're in a battle and I need help, God. There is evil lurking at every turn. So God, Father, please, please lead me out of temptation and help me to do this. And so by doing this, we begin to pray and we begin to ask God to say, all right, man, Father, align my heart with what you want to do. Provide for me. Keep my heart pure. Keep me out of temptation. And then I just take a few minutes and try to be quiet. And just say, Lord, Lord, speak to me. Now help me. Help me to be, remember, this is all about being in the spirit. And man, we just can continue to pray for the burdens that the Lord puts on your heart. Sometimes it's good just to have something to write through. So it's good just to be able to write. And we continue to pray, and, and as, we, as we talk about just, just being in, in the Spirit and, and being filled with the Spirit, I think about Ephesians 5. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? One way I know is that, man, when I'm getting ready to do my day, am I walking in joy or am I just trudging through my day? Do I have joy? And I'm saying, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I can do my life, so I can do my job, so that I can treat my spouse, so I can treat my kids with joy. I'm living out of an overflow of my heart. As an encouragement, let me just take a minute and read Romans 8, 26 and 27 to you. Let me just read that over for you. It says this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Only the Holy Spirit, only the God who is part of the Trinity could begin to know and understand how to do that, to be able to pray for us according to his will. That's why we pray. That's why we pray in the Spirit, to seek to align our hearts with his will, to bask in his presence, to rest. If we go back to the brisket illustration, to rest, to let all that sort of soak up into our hearts so that we don't just walk away and let all that just out of our hearts and forget what we've just done. And so that we're fervent, so that we're fervent in our overflowing, so that we're fervent in our relationship with this infinite God. He can do it. The third point that I, I want to look to, the third point of dependency is to look at with all prayer and supplication. It says to petition in every way is the third point. Petition 
in every way. Prayer is much more of a general form of communication where supplication is a strong word for petition, to request or to fervently ask. Now, when I think about my uh, communication with my wife, it really comes in a variety of forms. Okay? Sometimes I just text it, hey, babe, how you doing? What's happening? Sometimes it's a little emojification, man. I'm going to throw in a couple hearts or something. If I'm getting out of the doghouse for something, right? Throw some hearts in there. Hey, baby, thinking of you. 12 o'clock, usually 12, 12, 30, it's just a hi, how you doing call, right? H-H-Y-D, hi, how you doing? Babe, what's happening? How'd your morning go? What's going on? What's your afternoon bringing? What you doing, man? Just wanted to know, yeah, I'll be home. Maybe this time, that time. Maybe I won't be home. I don't know when I'll be home, right? But just a hi, how you doing? Just a little connection, right? We have all forms of communication, right? I'm just communicating right now with you, babe. I see you. <laughs> Took a long time to get that one down. And, but time, what I'm also saying here is that, guys, folks, if, if we don't throw something, we have all those forms of communication, but if we don't sometimes have some extended time of communication, we never really solve anything, and we never really deepen, right? We never really deepen our relationship. And so prayer is kind of like that. We have all different kinds of forms of prayer. We have all different kinds of forms. Again, the, the part of this verse we're looking at, it says, with all prayer and supplication. This is saying, like, with all different kinds of forms of prayer, Okay? I believe uh, that in, in, in going over this, I want to I start with this, man. I believe that prayer, again, takes on all these different lengths, varieties, and forms. Here are a couple of examples. I believe foundational is this. Matthew 6, 6 says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will, will reward you. I believe this is foundational in our lives, to be able to shut the door, close the door, if it's possible for you, maybe get on your knees and just say, Lord, man, I just want to spend some time with you. I need to spend some time in your presence. I believe that is foundational. There's all the other kinds of prayer, but I do believe that is foundational. What are some of the other kinds of prayer? You guys know these? I'm just going to run them past you, okay? There's private prayer. There's public pr prayer. I can't say that. There's planned times of prayer. There's unplanned times, spontaneous prayer. You're on the phone. You talk to someone after church. I'm hurting. Bro, I just want to pray for you. Man, let's just take a minute and pray right now. I see it. You see it happen in the lobby. It's wonderful to see. So many of you are in small groups. There's small group prayer. There's small group in there's prayer in between your times of small group that are always good. I'm blessed with a couple of folks in our small group who can just really pray it up. It is so wonderful to be in their presence. You can text a prayer to someone. That's awesome. Did you ever have that happen? Someone says, man, I'm just praying this prayer for you right now. Every once in a while, we, I get something in the mail. It's like, I'm praying for you, and here's the prayer. I got that like four months ago, and, and, and I was doing some research for this message. I opened the book up. I was like, wow, there it is. It was four months later. It was still working. Hope it was anyway. We can write prayers. We can send them in the mail. There's church initiated prayer. By God's grace, we endeavor never to make a major, a major decision here without going through a season of prayer and fasting. There's body life. Once a month, we get together. It's just it's a little more inform, It's a little less formal, but it's a time to be able to really pray for each other, to pray through our prayer works, which is a, 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 just a little publication that has many of the different prayer and prayer concerns and all of our global partners in there just to be able to get this before the Lord and spend some extended times uh, before Him in prayer. There's a Sunday morning prayer team. They're praying right now. And they are so valuable to the service and ministry of our church. There's also like, like praying with your spouse. If you're married, there's praying with your spouse. And husbands, this is a great thing just to lead out. Just was asked about this one time not too long ago. Well, it's not uh, implicitly, uh, it's, not, it's not right there in Scripture. No, it might not be implicit, but it is explicit. It's not explicit, but it is implicit. 
right? Satan wants to go after our families. One of the best ways to do that is to guard that in a, in a, around a hedge of thorns and to protect that in prayer. Husbands, man, do your best to lead out in this. Wives, encourage your husbands in this and work together in this. It can be a great bonding opportunity. So with all prayer and supplication, there's all different ways to pray. <laughs> Lastly, there's journaling. I know that's like, oh, you had to say that one, journaling. Some people are really good at that. My wife is great at it. She like journals her whole prayers. Ed, you know what happened eight years ago? No. <laughs> she does. I don't. Journaling, she likes to do it because it helps her to focus. But it's so good because, because I think what journaling does is it, is, it, is it helps to clean out the garage of our minds. It helps us to get rid of some stuff that doesn't need to be there. It helps us to like sweep out the corners that have accumulated some dust. Counselor that I have great respect for says this, healing comes out of the lips and through the fingertips. As we process our lives, we verbalize them and we write stuff out and it helps to clean out our hearts. So this is why we pray. This is why we pray in all different kinds of forms to declare our dependency on God. Let's take a minute now and shift to expectancy. Okay, we'll look at our last two points and we'll shift to expectancy. And the phrase that we're looking at next is keep alert in perseverance. So persistence in our seeking is our fourth point today. Persistence in our seeking is the fourth point. So keep alert basically says let's be prepared. Let's look around at what's happening, not only in our own lives. Let's look around at where the, what is the condition of my heart, but what's happening in the lives of people around me and how do I need to be ready to pray? How do I need to be alert? How do I need to be ready? Am I ready? Am I spending time on my knees so that I'm ready to help meet the needs of others? Let's be alert. Remember, folks, we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And we've got to remain alert. We never know where the enemy is lurking around a corner. Look, there's not a demon under every stone. I'm not trying to say that. But we do need to be alert. We do need to be ready. We have an adversary that wants to take us down. And he's serious about it. And so we need to be serious when we say, man, we've got to be alert to the needs around us. We want to be expectant. We want to be able to say, God, you can protect me from this. You can protect me from this. So let's keep alert. Secondly, let's look at perseverance for a second. Perseverance, without a doubt, Jesus calls us to be expectant, to expectant, persevering prayer. We see this in a parable. It's in Luke chapter 11. I love this, man. Like, like verses 5 through 9, there's this guy, he gets these unexpected guests, and he's like, man, he comes banging on his friend's door. Yo, man, get up. I, I got these unexpected guests. Man, it's 11 o'clock, man. Go away. Yo, my kids are asleep. I'm going to give you more than a loaf of bread if you don't go away. Yo, I read one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish to my kids so many times. If I have to read it to them again, you're going to find four fish in your home. They're going to be stinking. I'm not telling you where they're at. Please go away. And scripture says because of his impudence, he received what he asked for. What is impudence? He was audacious. He was consistent. He was persistent. He said, he said I, am, I want what I need, man. I need this so bad. Jesus is saying, ask, ask, ask. We have not because we sometimes ask. We don't ask. Now, to balance that out, Jesus also says in John 15 that we also need to abide, right? That we also need to abide and keep on abiding. Therefore, our goal should be that our prayers are as close to the heart of God as possible. The answers are not always the issue, but our faith in who God is, is the issue. Persevering prayer de uh, deserves at least a brief conversation on the subject of unanswered prayer. I keep praying, but my prayers, I feel like I'm, uh, my prayers are falling on deaf ear. I keep praying for healing, but it doesn't happen. Three things from Ray Pritchard's book, Keep Believing, provides us with a few points of advice on this. Keep praying as long as you can. Give God the right to say no and keep on doing what you know to be right. 
Paul, the prayer warrior who calls us to unceasing prayer in 2 Corinthians 12, he prayed many times for the thorn in his side, for the thorn to be removed. And the answer he got back is what? My grace is sufficient for you. From everything we can tell from Scripture, it wasn't removed. And while I hate to admit it, and I wish it weren't this way, we do grow best in darkness. This is why we pray. Difficult trials. Ones that hang around for a long time. Desert experiences. They call them desert experiences because you can look circumspectly. You can look all the way around and there doesn't seem to be any way out. But if we're leaning on God, if we're leaning and persevering, what this does is it helps us develop broader and deeper channels of prayer that can only be developed as we walk through these seasons of our lives. So keep alert, persevere, be persistent. And lastly, in, in, uh, in our expectancy, it says make supplication, making supplication for all the saints. Again, supplication is like this word that means to like, to like ask for in like a deep, deep, heartfelt, fervent way. And I think sometimes praying for others, I, I, I'm glad like this one came last because I really believe that all the other ones that we've talked about today need to be in order for this one to truly be able to ring true in our lives. We've talked about being, being able to, or we talked about praying at all times and allowing God to unburden our hearts. That prayer needs to be primary. We've talked about praying in the Spirit. We've talked about, about asking God to align up our hearts with His and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a powerful way so that our lives are filled to overflowing. We've talked about uh, praying all different kinds of prayer. We've talked about persevering prayer. And now we talk about this idea of making supplication for all the saints. Well, what's in it for me? I, folks, we belong to the church. We belong to a family here. And we belong to a family of families. And part, and an intricate part of supporting each other is lifting, up each, and is lifting each other up in prayer. And it is a labor. Man, it takes time. I could be doing something else. We could be doing something else. It takes time. It takes effort. It helps to have like a little system, right? It helps to have like, I've been working on that this week because I feel like I've failed in this area in some ways. It helps to have like some index cards that say, here's what I'm working on today. Here's what I'm working on tomorrow. Here's what I'm working on the next day to pray through so that I can say, man, I'm praying through these different areas maybe of our church life so that I can be really living out this idea of making supplication for all the saints. So as we begin to uh, close today, and just reviewing that and just thinking through and going, God, I, I want to take a step back and I want to really declare my dependency on you. And I want to begin to work through this. I want to begin, I want this to be true in my life. I want to be able to pray. I want to be able to pray at all times. I want my relationship with you to grow. I don't want this to be some kind of legalistic thing that I just have to walk through. And so God, today I just want to declare my dependency on you. And I want to renew my fervency. I want to renew what, what, what I want to do because of who you are. Because you're a steadfast God. You love me unconditionally. You love me just the way that you are. And I want to persevere because, God, you're the God who knows yesterday. And you're the God who knows tomorrow. You're the God who has it all worked out. But, Lord, you call me to, you call me to draw close to you. You, draw me, you want to draw me into a relationship so that you can fill me with your Holy Spirit so that you can fill us, so that we can be used in a new way. We won't be able to, I believe, fulfill the mission if we're not committed to walking together and marching on our knees together in humility and independency on Him.
And so, it's just again, just a way to close, I, I want to ask that you stand today. And I, I, I just want to ask that you would join me in praying this back to God, that you would join me in praying as we, as we long for this to be part of our lives and to incorporate this into our life, that we could pray this back to God. And then as I close in that, in that time of prayer, the worship team is going to play. And I would encourage you just to, just to take time as you sing that song, that you would sing it as a prayer back to God. Would you join me in praying? Heavenly Father, oh God, we just come to you today in a fresh way. I pray, God, that just in a fresh way, your Holy Spirit would empower us to be able to see you with new eyes, to be able to see you in a way that maybe we haven't seen you before so that we could see you, God, as our infinite, loving, heavenly Father that is so full of grace, that is so full of love for each and every one of us, that desires a relationship with us, God, that longs for us to be able to come to him and to pour out the anxieties and the worries and the fears that are on our hearts. God, help us to sow this into our life in a new way. Father, help us to pray in the Spirit. Help us to align our hearts with all that it is you want to do. Father, help our lives to be focused and to be overflowing, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh God, open our eyes to all the opportunities and avenues we have to pray. Father, would you help us to be alert? Would you help us to persevere in prayer? When we get tired, when we stall out, when we think there's no answers, when we think that you're not listening, God, would you give us the strength to hold on and to persevere and to walk through the deserts that you put in our lives. And then, God, would you give us a heart? Would you give us a heart to pray and to lift up the needs of the people around us? Thank you for all that you're doing, Father. We love you, and we ask that you do these things in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.